is the Conrad Alert. Civil defense information will be broadcast at 640. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Y2K, how can we prepare? Stop a few of their machines and radios. Throw them into darkness for a few hours. We are fighting for our lives. My family must survive. Food for five years. Thousand gallons of gas. Air filtration, water filtration. At you from the frozen tundra that is East Central Alberta, Canada, streaming live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Rumble, and Odyssey. Welcome back to the workshop where we create community, find freedom, promote preparedness, and share success. I am Toolman Tim. Today is July the 9th, 2023, and this is episode 336 of Workshop Radio. How the hell is everyone out there this evening? It's good to see you. Hey, Byron Roberts, and one step closer, great to have you. We're going to have Letty Lou on in just a minute, talking about her absolutely, about the most macabre topic. We No, I'm just kidding, but her, her favorite, uh, death, dying, and dignity, and how to talk about it to your family. But before we do that, I only got one announcement. Well, basically, anyway. Uh, Amy Dingman, Sunday evening, she is our sponsor, and she just came out with a new book. So check it out. I believe it's called Getting Shit Done. It's a, a short book in the uh, a new ongoing series that she's doing. I love to see the amount of work that she's putting into these. I got to pick it up because uh, there's never a time that I read or listen to something from Amy that I'm not the least bit motivated. I tell you, it's awesome every single time. So give her some love. Go to FarmersKindOfLife.com. Uh, add her to your podcast rotation if you're looking for some motivation in a uh, sweet voice, but she'll tell you just the way it is. So with that... One second, let's bring on our guest, Ms. Lady Lou. How are you? Doing all right, Tim. How are you? Good. I. How long has it been since you've been on? I want to say it was about this. I think it was this time last summer because I remember it being around the 4th of July. So Okay. I was thinking it had been just about a year, maybe a little more. The way time flies, my goodness. I know. You have people on and then all of a sudden it's been a year, nobody's been on. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, good to see you. Good to see you too. So why don't you fill us in on who Lady Lou is first? We'll start with that because, like I said, it's been a year, and I'm sure there's lots of people who don't know who you are. Um, I'm Letty Lou. I met Tim actually through the uh, Fireside Freedom podcast that we were doing last year, which that was a fun little, little trip that was that fun. We did there. Um, I have a currently inactive blog and podcast because having an almost one-year-old has been crazy and he keeps me very busy but that is liberty all day so that will be coming back i'm gonna i'm shooting for this fall to start doing regular postings again on there but my latest fun thing i've got really bad glare i'm sorry it's okay um, my, <laughs> my latest fun thing is backwoods consulting is my little hustle and i've been getting more and more work through it being a virtual assistant and as I debuted last Sunday on the Jenny Hill live stream for her auction, I am now branching out into doing helping people declutter and organize their homes, workshops, garages, whatever. And that's all virtual. I'm not flying anywhere. I'm trying to talk you into flying somewhere, Letty, but all right. I kept um, saying that she was going to fly at her expense, but I thought that was kind of mean. So no, I better no. stop putting that out there because somebody's going to hold me to it. So. Yeah, it'll be at Tim's expense if I'm going to fly anywhere. Absolutely, yes. We'll we'll fly you out by carrier pigeon. It'll be pretty simple. So it'll be great. 
but yeah, so that's my, my latest thing. And it's really take, I opened the business account and got my tax ID number for the feds and all that fun stuff. So it's, it's moving in a groove Got to give the fed their breadcrumbs, right? Yeah. Works that way north of the border too, I promise. So, <laughs> so what's backwoods consulting? I think that's kind of cool. So backwoods consulting, it started out as what did I, I think I had named it, um, Parley, Parley Pro Consulting. And I okay. started this three years ago. I've always been interested in parliamentary procedure and rules of order. So I thought I'm going to finally become a parliamentarian. I'm going to take the test and become a registered parliamentarian and all this other stuff. And Nicole Sauce actually was doing these small groups during COVID. Like, mm. what's your interest? What's your side hustle? How can we get it moving? And I realized during that, that, oh, I could do virtual assistant work. And made this big, fancy, professional-looking website and everything and never did anything with it. Sure. Uh, but last year at LFT, and I realized that I was kind of marketing and gearing myself towards the wrong people. I, I realized that the folks that I want to help are in the LFTN community, the workshop community, TSP, et cetera. So I completely revamped it. Away went Parley Pro and comes back with consulting. And I'm, I want to help people get their shit done efficiently. So I do, I, I'm now learning how to manage social media. I'm learning how to do TikTok and Instagram and Facebook Reels. I do a lot of document editing, lots, lots and lots and lots of spreadsheet work. Um, with, and then now I'm branching out into organization and stuff like that. So I think it's cool because <laughs> most people I know that have hired virtual assistants Two things, of course. The first is that they don't live anywhere remotely close. They're in a, the opposite mm -hmm. time zone so that, um, yep. you know, 12 hours. So when you want something done, they're just getting up or going to bed. And there tends to be a bit of a communication issue, which, you know, bit. with the Midwest accent, I can still see where that could be a problem. <laughs> but <laughs> not as bad as the uh, hoser up here in Canada, you know, but yeah. But, I, so, I, I don't have the Northwoods accent like my husband has picked up since we've moved to Wisconsin. So I'm still, I still tend more towards, to, towards Chicago. <laughs> I love it. I think it's cool. So you've picked up a little bit of business in both ends so far. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's slowly getting, slowly, slowly getting out there. So it, it's been just a slow progression, especially I got a lot of people looking for me to do work for them right before I had bug. <laughs> and I was like, no, I, I'd love to. I just, I knew I wasn't going to have the time or energy. So it's just, been, it's been slowly ramping up and it's, it's had a good progression and everyone understands that my kids come first, which is the best part. So I'm just going to show it out. Uh, Beth, Beth, Emily says you got a great idea there and I need to show somebody out before I miss them. Goofy Rufy, I need your address to send you the, your winnings from the uh, trivia night we had the other night. So if you can get in contact with me, he can email me at the real Tim cook at gmail.com. So there you go. I'll That's type it out. So Letty back in high school, we talked about, uh, well, not you and me, but <laughs> in high school, people I knew that were obsessed with death. We used to call them goths or something, you know? So how, how, okay. Because I think this all started way back when um, you and I had a conversation about, the topic of death and how it was one of those topics that doesn't get mentioned in preparedness, right? And it's the one rule of preparedness that we're all going to break someday. Yeah. So how did that even come about for you? Because it, 
I can imagine, you know, at a at a dinner, you know, you go out for dinner with your significant other, you meet some new people, and you're like, hey, I'm Letty. Let's talk about death. How's that go? <laughs> um, so let's see if I can show. So do you see that? Ooh. Are you there? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. You're good. What happened with my screen? I know I can't see. Hold on. Okay. You see that cross that's up over the uh, bookshelf right there? Yeah. My aunt gave me that cross when I got married. And she goes, you know, your cousins told me that I'm morbid giving this to you. And I said, it, it's a crucifix. What, what's wrong? Inside it are candles and okay. oil for doing the extreme unction. And so when someone's dying, so you can, you can bless them. Um, it's here in my office because my husband thinks it's a little creepy and um, <laughs> not really something he wants. But... When I was down in Illinois in April and I was in my parents' bedroom, I looked and I said, hey, you have your cross above your bed. My mother goes, well, yeah, if your dad dies in his sleep, I want to be able to, to bless him right away so we can slide into heaven. Um, but everybody in my family has at least one of those crosses in their home. And it's usually in a bedroom because we like to die at home. Sure. So that way we can we can take care of you and... If the, if, we, if the priest isn't there, we can at least bless you, like, as you're taking your last breath. But um, growing up, there is a lot of death in my family. My mom's the youngest of eight, and her mother was the youngest of seven. Okay. And it was, like, almost every other weekend growing up, we had a funeral and a wake to go to. So it was never hidden from us. It was always... It was always there. We would spend Sundays going down to grandma's and actually we'd pick her up, take her to mass. Then we go to the cemetery and we'd, 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 we'd plant new flowers. We'd clean up the headstone. We'd, we'd go around to everybody. We'd have picnics at the cemetery. That's okay. So it was, it was normal. It was normal. And I never realized until I got older how my normal was not the norm. Most people that I knew even in high school, had never been to a funeral. They didn't know when somebody died. And I really realized that my freshman year of college when the mother of one of my sorority sisters passed away. And we went to the funeral and everyone's like, oh, what, what do we do at a funeral? Like, what do you wear? <laughs> I said, oh, traditionally you wear black. And this is, okay, so they're Catholic. This is what you can expect at the wake and at the funeral. And they're not Catholic. Okay, this is something that we could that you're probably going to see there. And I realized early on that I can help people navigate that so they're not super confused and just weirded out. Sure. I, you know, it's funny you mentioned that about how your your grand was your grandmother, right? That used to take mm -hmm. you to. So when I was a kid, you know, before my grandfather passed away, my um, my grandmother and grandfather on like Sunday afternoons, they'd take me for a drive and we'd always go through the cemetery and they would go down and they'd say, Oh, we know that person or we knew that person or, you know, and it was, oh, yeah. they would kind of tell the stories and that was kind of normal for us. And then after Gramps died, nobody in my family that I was close to, Oh man, probably almost 25 years. So I can see how a lot of people in our generation, if they weren't exposed mm -hmm. to it would, absolutely be lost hey yeah it's i mean little man was six months old when he went to his first no he was he was three months old for his first waking funeral and i remember i went with my parents because it was 
my mother's cousin's wife who passed away. And my mother's at the young end of all the cousins. So this one was like 20 years older than her. And we, we, we go there and everyone's like, oh, we're so glad that you brought the baby. We, we're here with death, but look, this is new life. And he's he's proof that life goes on and it, it doesn't just end when somebody dies. And two months later, he goes to a second funeral. <laughs> Another one a few months later after that. And it was, it was just, just hearing him. He didn't. First of all, he does not like the sound of bagpipes in a church. I'll tell you that much. You say he doesn't like them. Yeah, he, he did not like the bagpipe oh, player. I get it though. When you're but, little, that they're tough on you. Yeah, but he he would start laughing at the most random points during just during the funeral service, and everyone started laughing, and you could see the smiles returning from people's faces when they had just been so just downtrodden and lost in their grief. But then they hear this baby cr crying and laughing, and they go. There, there's more to life than just death. We, we have this new life. It's that circle that never ends. That's cool. I, I've always been a fan of laughing and carrying on at funerals. And some people think that might be foolish, but we did it. I think we might've talked about this last time, but we, me and the cousins, all the boy cousins carried my grandfather's casket to the graveside. Two or three times we pretended to drop it, you know, <laughs> to be funny. And they, everybody lied because Grampy Cook, that's what he did. He was forever, mm -hmm. you know, he, putting on stupid hats or making funny faces or wearing his wife's dress and dancing around, like just foolish stuff, you know? And that's what he would have wanted, right? And that, yep. uh, yeah. So I wanted you to get your thoughts on Goofy here. Goofy Roofies uh, said, I think the move from being on the land around family for one's entire life to moving to a lot in big mm -hmm. cities did that over time. What do you think? Yeah, well, I that kind of goes along with my whole view that, you're, when you're not surrounded by death, when it's not normal, when people aren't dying at home, you're not seeing it. So it it becomes foreign. It becomes sterile. It's mm. not it's not a part of life. But death, it's life and death. That someone's born every day, every second. Somebody dies every second. It when you're not around it, of course, it's going to feel feel weird. And Goofy's right. I mean, when you move away. To the city like that's really when people started dying in hospitals as opposed to at huh. home that's or fair. down the road or something you know it's so far removed you just can't people don't know how to handle it and we everything like you said sterilized right i mean mm -hmm. you, you go to the graveside and they have the pile of dirt covered with a piece of green grass you know m most people prefer oh, closed caskets now uh, you know, we, we don't refer to it as death. It's passing or crossed over the rainbow bridge or whatever it happens to be, you know, and that I get it, but I, I, yeah. Um, how do you think people, where, where do you think people start with that? Cause I know we're kind of dancing around some of your other questions, but I'd like to, to, you know, to hear where you think you start with that. Now, when, when you say start with that, what, um, as in how do we, how do we back that off? How do we, uh, kind of move away from the sanitized view of death we have now? I think we need to bring it, it needs to be brought out to the open. Um, hospice care, people, hospice care, they, they will bring you home and help you out at home today, but most people still tend to go to a hospice center as opposed to dying at home. So it's still removed. But if you at least go towards hospice care, your family's gonna be a bit more involved. And it's on, it's on the parents, it's on me, it's on you. We need to teach mm. our children about this. So 
Oh, little, <laughs> little man. So my uncle passed away last year and I remember he was, he woke up and when I got the news and I was watching my uncle's funeral and I had told him before, Oh yeah, uncle still died. And his funerals tomorrow morning, it's going to be very early. So I'll be watching it on the computer before you wake up. And he wakes up as I'm watching and I'm, and I'm crying because he was my godfather. I hadn't seen him in several years because he's in Ireland. So it was difficult. And he comes over to me. He just gives me this big hug. And he says, Mom, I said, yeah, little man, Uncle Sill's in heaven. But don't worry, because you've got me here with you. And I was like, that is the sweetest thing. <laughs> you know, he, he knows that Uncle Sill isn't here. And I said, can you tell that to Papa when we talk to him later today? And he told my dad that and made my dad stay. <laughs> but I've never hidden it from him because I know that it's a normal thing. It's a normal thing in life. And right now we've been preparing him for when my parents' dog dies because she's 15 years old. And oh, yes, they probably should have put her down last year, but they haven't. So I've been preparing him and reading him books about kids who lose their dogs and whatnot. And it's just always, okay, this is a normal thing. This is what happens. I've had, several friends with parents who died in the past year too. And again, it's just Auntie Trisha's daddy passed away. So we're going to get her. I want you to help me pick out a plant for her. Which one of these bushes do you like? So we can send her Aww. it so she can plant it and, and that type of thing. So it's, as parents, we need to be responsible for teaching our children that everything's not hunky dory. You're not going to live forever as much as I would love to and be with my children forever. I know one day I'm not going to be here for them. And at that point, I need to make sure that I've done everything I can so that, number one, they can handle it and process it in whichever way, shape, or form they can because everybody handles grief differently. And number two, that they actually know what to do. So who do they need to call? What plans do they need to make? <laughs> Where is all this stuff going to happen? And then they can go on from there instead of like freaking out going, what does mom want? Where are we going to bury her? Like, do we even know what songs to play at her funeral? What, who's going to do the readings? I've got that all planned out for them so they don't have to worry. And I've done it for both of my boys as well, because that's not a decision I want to make when. That's a good point. We, we talk, you know, this is, um, I had Ed from Iridium Solutions on. Mm -hmm. He's a, um, like, a, well, he, he's into, uh, you know, emergency medicine and all kinds of different things. And he said, one of his favorite lines was, you don't rise to the occasion, you fall to your lowest level or your highest level of training. Yep. Now that's a little bit similar in that same vein of not, want, um, not wanting to make important decisions when you're under stress. So yep. make them ahead of time. That's really good, Letty, because yeah. I mean, you know, we all hope that our kids outlive us and, you know, 95% of them are going to, but we all hope they do. But heaven help us, we wouldn't want to have to deal with that kind of stuff in a bad situation, would we? No, I mean, before I even had bug last year, because I knew I was going to have a C-section, I actually updated my documents. <laughs> and just on that off chance, I created another page on my spreadsheet for him, not knowing what kind of baby I was going to have as a boy or girl, but I made sure that baby bug was on there and picked out readings who I wanted to do the readings and everything, because if something were to happen to the baby or if something were to happen to me, my husband then could just my parents and cousins are shared with that doc. So sure. one of them can pull it up and say, okay, this is what Letty wanted for herself or for the baby. And we'll take care of this so that you two or the one of you doesn't have to handle it. 
And I've had my husband fill it out too. So why not? And again, just having the conversations are a big help, hey? Because it's something that not everybody wants to talk about. But the more we talk about it, the more comfortable other people might become. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just going to throw up a couple of comments before we move on yep. here. But uh, Goofy says, uh, touch before our time, said Chuckles the Clown funeral episode of Mary, Mary, Mary Tyler Moore shows a classic humor at a funeral episode. I haven't seen it and I heard of it before. So I, I'm going to have to try to find that at some point and see if it's on YouTube or, or something. And one, uh, one step says, give me a wake telling funny stories instead of a silent, sad funeral. Oh, Every time. The best part of the wakes and... I've had friends who are very confused by this because, okay, so I, after I had Bug, I went back, to, or no, after I had Little Man, I went back to work and I was working in Chicago and it was me and the four attorneys. We had one Jewish guy and the other three were all Southside Chicago Irish. The one idiot attorney, she's like, oh, I just went to a funeral the other day. And I'm like, oh, how was it? She said, oh yeah, you know, it was for, it was for my barber's, or it was for my hairstylist's brother. And he runs this bar and she's talking. I was like, wait a minute. Is it, are the, the people who own this, this bar? And she's like, yeah, how'd you know? I was like, I go to the, I go to this location of their little empire of bars all the time. And I looked at her, I said, so Mary, was it a good funeral? And we're in our legal meeting. Is it like waiting for it to start? <laughs> and the one guy looks at me, goes, did you just ask her if it was a good funeral? <laughs> I said, well, yeah. I, I mean, I said, what church was it at? Where were they buried? Where they go for for the the luncheon afterwards? And she starts talking, and he just goes, "Wait a minute, I don't go up to family and friends and say, so was it a good shiva that we sat the other day?'" <laughs> I'm Maybe like, I said, "This is a difference." But I mean, Irish, we're we have the Irish wake is a thing because when people they came over from Ireland to the states, they didn't know if they were going to see their family again or not, so they started having the living funeral to say goodbye oh wow i've never never heard that before really yeah come so on is that where, Portia, and you is that where the it. term wake comes from or I don't, I don't know if that's where the term the wake comes from but the irish funeral is basically saying goodbye because i'm leaving and i don't know if i'm going to be able to make it back across the sea to see you or sure. if i'm going to make it across the ocean and that's, you know, again, I think about that a lot. The, the old, I'm a dad, dad calls them the old timers, but you know, the, the ones that came, the first ones that, well, many generations ago, it wasn't something, you know, most people married within 20 or 30 miles of their home. You, you rarely went more than a few miles mm -hmm. to church. Everything and everything was that very tight, small circle. So if you did do that one thing where you went all the way across the continent or across the ocean, you probably were yeah. doing it for good, hey? Yeah, but yes, and it was just one of those things. So I'm used to, when we have a funeral, okay, for our family, we have one of two churches that we always have the either the memorial mass, if they've died and been cremated, we do the mass later, or the funeral will be at one of these two. And then everybody goes to the same cemetery to be buried. And we have like three different <laughs> restaurants that are tried and true for the after-funeral luncheon. And it's just, okay, well, which restaurant were you at? And Remember, she said, oh, we went to this one. I was like, oh, man, it's like, I was just there for my cousin's funeral, for his for his funeral lunch. And I said, they did a great, a great meal there. And she said, and we started talking about what the food was. But it was just one of those things, because for us, you go to the wake and everybody's sad. You go and you see everybody, you're giving the hugs and 
you're re you're starting that reconnection process because most of the time you only see people at weddings Wedding, and funerals. You know. Yep. But um, <laughs> then you get the, the funeral and most people are just upset and crying. Afterwards, so you get to the, the restaurant. It's usually an open bar. So that number one, everyone's <laughs> going to start get, getting their drink on. But that's where you really start telling the stories. And when we were at my mom's cousins, I remember we were sitting at the table and um, her godmother was actually there. And she introduced herself and I said, oh. You're her godmother. I've always, I've never been able to put two and two together. So we were able to have a talk about that. And then it was talking about Mickey. You know, what you remember about Mickey? I said, oh, you know, I just remember every single family funeral. He'd show up. His truck would be cleaned and bright white. He'd come up and he'd have a little Irish flag hanging on it. <laughs> and he always wore his Irish jumper and his bright emerald green tie. Every single funeral that I went to <laughs> growing up, he was always there because it was very important for him to get to go and see the family and reconnect. And that was why it was important for me to take little man to go to that funeral because I want to continue that tradition. And yeah. Sean, just you, you mentioned uh, a Jewish lawyer, but Sean said, have you ever attended a traditional Jewish funeral? I have not. Nor have I. I, I. I can say I grew up Protestant. So the first time I went to a, a, a Catholic wedding or funeral, I could not believe how damn long those things were. <laughs> I was like, you know, for for, for the uh, Protestants, it was like, okay, uh, let's get this over with so we can go to the potluck. You know, that's what it was. But the Catholic had the, the pomp and the ceremony, and it was definitely different for a, a young father to go to. Oh, that's I have it written into my um, documentation. My family also sets aside money for our funerals. So if we need to fly people in from across the country, we can we can take care of them to get in and they want a hotel they're on their own, but usually everybody just bunks up with each other. But I have a stipend so that if the priest that's gonna be performing my funeral does not have them, we will my my estate will purchase the black, the traditional black robes for the black vestments for the priest to wear. Because traditionally when you go to a Catholic funeral at least most of them are wearing white for, for hope, but it's also a time of mourning. So you very, very rarely actually see the priest in the all black robes. Mm. I was like, oh no, like we are going whole hog. We are getting the black vestments you are going to do. I want the requiem service and everything. <laughs> so it's going to be fun. I thought this was kind of cool. I, I don't know if you've heard of this or not, but. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Scan Scandinavians have what they call death cleaning. Yep. Where you sell or give away most of your clutter and junk before you die. Imagine as preppers, we'd have a ton of it. So my mother has this thing where she she always tells me, when I was growing up, all I had was a flat sheet. I never had a fitted sheet on my bed. <laughs> so she will not get rid of sheets. And she will not get rid of table linens either. And, and that I don't understand because grandma had a million freaking table linens. But <laughs> when I was down visiting in April, I said, you know what? I'm going to send you two videos on Swedish death cleaning and I want you to watch them. And then we're going to have a conversation about why you need to get rid of all your crap that you have here. <laughs> like, because I said, I'm going to get rid of it. My brothers and I are just going to toss everything. And it's just like my, like my in-laws, my husband are like, well, when they die, there's like three things that he really, really wants from their house. We'll go in and get them. And then we're just going to open it up and say, give us your best offer for whatever you want in the house. And that, it's funny, no matter how much we try to accrue, that's pretty much where things go when you pass. And it, it's just the nature of it, you know? 
And as you as you get a little bit older, I think we found that uh, you know when you're a little younger, you want to acquire and acquire and acquire, and then as you get older, you just want the things that mean something to you. You know? Oh, absolutely. And I I I've been getting rid of. I've always been just get rid of stuff if I don't need it. But it's so funny because like we're going through now after we've just repainted and rearranged the rooms. I'm like, okay, we can get rid of even more stuff. Let's see what we have that we can that we can sell or donate. <laughs> So we've been on, you know, we, we spent two or three weekends cleaning and clutter, decluttering other areas and it just happens. It, I, I don't know. I think just as you get a little bit older, you realize it's, it's not in the, uh, the, the quality of the possessions. It's just the quantity. But yeah. I want you to maybe talk about this a little bit. So Chris Dixon says, I'll never understand funerals or the reasoning for them. So honestly, in my perfect world, I would die at home in my sleep. The next morning, my husband or my children would wrap me in a sheet, bury me under a tree, and call it a day. Sure. But the problem is, and it's it's not really a problem, but it kind of is, is a lot of people, they want their chance to say goodbye. And if there's no funeral, how am I supposed to say goodbye to Letty? I mean, she just died suddenly and I never got to tell her I'm sorry for whatever, or I never got, I never got to tell her how much I appreciated her or anything like that, you know? So it, it's part of that. And then it's, it's also the ritual of it. So when you're, when you go to the funeral, you know, you're there and you're grieving together. Sure. And, and it's another chance to come together and, and celebrate You're celebrating a, a funeral. It's sad and morose, but it, it should be a celebration of life and, that new life that that person who just died, that they're going to be living whatever you believe, whether they're going to heaven, the purgatory to hell, or just, I don't know, like they're being reincarnated. It you're, you're there to celebrate their past life and their new life that they're going to have now that they're no longer with us. I think for me, I think part of it is some, and it doesn't, it can be anything, you know, it could be getting together for drinks at somebody's house or, or you know, um, when my uh, best friend's dad passed away, he was a softball coach. So they all got around and they had a bonfire. Somebody took a big barrel and they laser cut his name and everything. And it was beautiful. And they just sat around and they drank all night and they told stories. And that's just, I mean, like, like everybody said, it's, it's for the living, not for the dead. And I think it, yeah. I think it's one of the last things you can give to your family and friends as well, because you're like, Hey, you know, I care about you enough that it's okay. Get together and chat or have fun or do whatever. Right. And because we don't care, you know, (laughs) the the deceased doesn't doesn't bother them a bit, whether you have one or not. And, and it's kind of funny too, because when we were driving home from Illinois on Thursday, Thursday, yeah, we drove through the small town and I was telling my husband, I said, Oh, this, this church here, I want to go to it at some point. They had this beautiful grotto. And as we come into the town, you just start to see all the cars on both sides of the road just parked. And I was like, Ooh, what is this? said, someone's having a funeral. I'm like, which church is it at? And it was at the Catholic church. And I remember I counted 65 cars. And my husband's like, what are you doing? And I said, well, growing up, grandma would always count the cars at a funeral. Because she said that the more cars that are at the funeral, she said, number one, that person had a very large family and friends. And number two, it goes to show the impact that the person who died had on all these people's lives that they came to show up at the funeral to say goodbye and to grieve and and deal with the loss of whoever it was. But um, it was just so beautiful to see. And 
we actually passed like three different funerals on our way home. So Thursday was a very popular day for funerals <laughs> in Wisconsin. But it, I always feel sad if I, if I see the funeral procession and there's only two or three cars. Because it, it causes you to wonder, like, what type of life did this person have? Did they not have a large family? What, why, why, why is no one there to, to celebrate their life? And it could be that the person wasn't, and it's going to sound bad, but not necessarily um, needed to be celebrated, you know? And that's mm -hmm. a sin too. That's a shame because, yeah, uh, I've known people like that, that just, they pushed everybody away their entire life. And when it yep. was done, you know, because I think we talked about this last time too, but the, the old adage that uh, you die your first death when you pass and your second death when the last person who knew of you or your legacy passes away. Yeah. And actually, since we've, since we talked last, I finally seen the Disney movie Coco, and that's oh yes part of the movie. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness, that that's I mean, another great another great way to teach your kids about death and how to remember the people who passed away. Yeah. And I think that's what it's about, you know. I mean, even even our animals, we we have our animals cremated, and we Becky has a little thing where she keeps each of their ashes, you know, and it's neat. I, I don't, it is what it is, and 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 it you know, and everybody handles it differently, and it doesn't matter what your personal beliefs are on where you go afterwards. Everybody is going to grieve at some point. And so to give them that opportunity, great. And if you don't want it, you don't have to take it either. You don't have to go to a funeral, right? And everybody grieves differently. And for some people, the funeral, it's too, it's too difficult for them. Sure. And, but then you also get the other stage of grieving where if I have a Jenny, you know, she mm. called me right after she found out she had cancer. And we had a long conversation and it's one of those things. And I told her, I said, I am not going to treat you like you were dead. I, right. said, I said, there's nothing I hate more than seeing somebody who has a terminal illness or whatever it is. And everyone is already treating them like they're dead. We have a family member like that. And it grinds my gears because other family members, whenever they see him, they cry and they, they huddle to, they, they, they go to the next room, but they're sobbing. And I'm like, you realize he's right here. He's still, yeah, he, he is still with us. Yep. There's no reason to be sitting there crying. This might be the last time I ever see him. Well, you know what? Every Tim, this might be the last time I ever see you. Absolutely. You know, you have to treat every day like it's a gift, but sure. you don't sit there and you don't cry and treat them like they're already dead because they're already dealing with whatever diagnosis or whatever it is that's going on. And, and that that's just way too much for just any one person to have to handle. But then when they look at their support system around them or who is supposed to be their support system and they're treating them like they're dead, that's even worse. And at that point, a lot of people just give up the will to live when they could potentially go for years. I probably <laughs> leave. Oh, go that's ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, my, my our, our back alley neighbor he was a good customer of mine for a few years bill and uh, he was quite old and he was getting very very sick during the height of covid and his daughter called me and said i need you to come over and help me get him down the stairs we're going to take him to the hospital and when i got there he was like five shades of yellow you knew he was not good yeah. you knew he wasn't long for this world she said could you sit with him for a few minutes while i go get his stuff sure so we just sat there and chatted and i asked him what jobs he wanted me to get done and and i told him i said next time i see you it better be when you're running the uh, marathon. And he just laughed and carried on, you know, that how else do you do it? Right. I mean, 
you either treat them like they're a pariah or they have leprosy or you treat them like they're a normal human being, which they are. Yeah. They're, they're, they're still here with us, you know, and, and when you already put that veil of mourning on that, you can't see them. It, what, why, why should they, it's like they're the living dead at that point, you know? It, you, you sent some questions and you had a uh, term social death. Is that what that was? Yeah. Can, and I've actually never, I'd actually never heard that term, and I can't remember who it was that brought up social death. But I was like, that's like that's what it is. That's exactly what it is. When you are, when everyone looks at you as the living, the Walking Dead, and and they're almost scared to talk to you. Because, and again, I think some of that probably has to do with us not ever dealing with death mm -hmm. out in the open, you know? Because it's funny, some of the most um, gut-wrenching scenes in films over the last few years that I remember are, well, there's two that I remember in, uh, in the gray and in, uh, the driver where somebody's up close and somebody's dying and they're talking to them as they die because it's not something that ever happens. No. And it should be, you know, I, um, that since you, since you were on last year and this year, my grandmother passed away, just hit a hundred and she passed away. I believe it was in October last year. And so, it's a couple times now where I've in my life have been on the phone with somebody. Uh, this time I got to do FaceTime the time before it was on the phone. So, and just get to talk to them, you know, I mean, you know, this is it. There's no, um, that you're not going to get another chance. Right. And, yeah. uh, you, what else do you do? You just tell them you love them, have a good conversation, tell them you hope they're comfortable and say, don't hold on for me. It's time for you to let go. You know? Oh, absolutely. And it, I, I read this book earlier this year and it was so funny because my library in February, they did a, a blind date with books and they wrapped them in paper and just gave basic descriptions of what it was. And I thought this book was something else actually, <laughs> but it was called Being Mortal by Atul Gawande. And I'll share the link with you later. But sure. um, so this book, it talks all about the different ways that the guy's a doctor and, it, and it's his experiences with death. So it's the clinical side of death, but also he goes through nursing homes, assisted living facilities, hospice care, palliative sure. care, and everything like that. And it was one of the best books that I've read in years. And I bought it <laughs> as soon as I started. I was like, I need to buy this book because it's really good. I bought it and sent it to my parents. And how'd that go? <laughs> Every, you always tell nuts. me these stories. Yeah, yeah. They, so. they think I'm nuts. And it's sitting on their. Um, it's sitting on their coffee table right now. So it, it's out in the open. I don't know if they've actually read it, but my dad just turned 80. He's dealing with heart issues and all this other stuff. And I was like, I'm his backup medical power of attorney. So I was like, first of all, I need to know what the deal is. Like what, what's happening medically and what do you want me to have to do in case mom can't make that decision or something happens to her and vice versa. But in the, in this book, it was really good because it talks about the different ways that that people die in over the years of him being a doctor but he had he had three questions that stuck out to me and i and i made sure i noted them down nice and it was when you're having the conversation with the living dead so if you have so tim you're dying and we're having a conversation i'm going to ask you what outcomes are unacceptable to you for your treatment hmm. what are you willing to sacrifice and not sacrifice for your treatment in order to continue on living. Sure. Oh, that's and then, good. What would a good day for you look like? 
And then if it, the treatment, whatever your treatment is, if it will not allow you to have that good day, and you want to make sure everybody in your family knows what that good day looks like so that they can reassure the decision maker. If, if your treatment will not allow you to have that good day, then the decision should be made to discontinue treatment and not go through with whatever it is. And as I was reading it, like that just, it made, it made having these conversations so much easier for me because now, because before it was always, okay, what, what do you want to do? Like, what are your thoughts on a DNR? How, how am I going to handle this? But being able to talk about that, I can say, okay, this, this is not going to give my loved one the day that they want. So we're not going to go through with it. Hmm. So I want to go down this rabbit hole. <laughs> so I want to ask you a little bit because um, we, we talked about a little bit about hospice care. Mm-hmm. And so as my grandmother, you know, got pretty ill, she, so I guess we'll go back a little. So since you've been on last year, something that's become very big in Canada is made. And mm-hmm. um, so she, she, she started the process, but passed before she could go through with it. I guess what are your thoughts on that and how does that fit into your plan or your your idea of those questions you just asked? Because I have my opinions. I don't want to share them until I hear kind of where you're at. So I've been on quite a journey in terms of that. And this journey actually started in high school. I had to write a paper and I wish I still had that big honk and drive that I had all of my high school papers saved on because I researched and wrote a paper on physician assisted suicide and um, Dr. Kevorkian was it? Yeah. Yep. And I went into this, it was a position paper and I went into it being completely against everything just based on what I had heard on the news. Wow. And the more I researched it, the more I realized he was giving these people a choice. That being said, I... I do not agree with suicide. For, I, I feel that suicide is a selfish decision. Um, I've lost several family members to it. And the sad thing is that every single one of them, when they were found, it turned out that they had chosen at the last minute that they did not want to go through with it. Sure. But it was too late. Um, so... In specific situations, I can see why it's acceptable. Um, this, I remember several years ago, there was a, a young woman, she was from California, and she was diagnosed with, I think it was stage five brain cancer. And she moved from California to, is that, it was like Washington or Oregon? Oregon or, I remember. Yeah. Yep, I do. And there was this whole hullabaloo over, how can she be doing this? How can, this is terrible. This is the worst thing that she can do. But she had looked at, what her days were going to be like. And she said, that is not something that I wanted, that I want for my family to have to see me like. Um, and she, she died peacefully surrounded by her family. You know, she, she took the drugs and in that situation, I can understand, you know, so it, do I think that, oh my gosh, you have, <laughs> I see goofy review over here. It's a Canadian hangnail treatment. Um, there are certain situations where I think it's it's okay and accept, acceptable, but do I think it's a cure-all that should be available for every single person out there? No. 
Becky and I have had this conversation about it because it has become a, it's a hot button issue, oh, yeah. you know, and there's a lot of, I, 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 there will be some issues, but here, you know, again, I guess when it comes down to it, you know, as a, you know, as an anarchist, when it, when it really comes down to it, a person has 100% agency over their own life. Right. Absolutely. And someone else is going to go do, you know, if they want to dispatch with themselves, they're going to do it one way or another. Anyhow, um, you know, I, I would hope that, there'd be systems in place that'll help people um, that'll hopefully try to push them in an opposite direction if they're not. But I think anybody who's terminal, I, I just, I think it's a wonderful option. I, I don't agree with much that the government does. I pretty yeah. much don't agree with anything. I think it'd be better if this were offered, you know, through a, a private scenario or situation. Yeah. But I think it's a wonderful thing that's going to help a lot of people too. It was, if you can go and you're not in pain and you're at peace and it's, a, it, because you're going on your terms you're going when you're ready right and it's not you're you're able to go i'm sorry to cut but on a yeah. good day right yeah. on, a, on the exactly. day you want. yeah so it's not it's not catastrophic and it's not your family walking in and finding you that you had done whatever um yeah you, we put our pets down out of kindness like i was talking about my parents dog she needed to be put down a year ago and they have not and i had this conversation with my folks and i said like she can barely walk. She can't get up the stairs. You have to carry her up and down. I said, when are we going to make that decision? I said, it's not fair to her. And I said, but when you do, you go in that room and you sit with her while the doctor puts her down. You do not leave her by yourself. Um, because the last dog that we put down, we hmm. had to put her down after she bit grandma. And my mother was too upset. So the dog had bit me several times, but it's like, whatever, like, you're not listening to me, stupid dog. <laughs> she was the only dog that never listened to me. <laughs> but um, I had to drive her to the veterinarian's office to put her down. And the, the vet came out and took her and they walked in. And I said, goodbye, Brogan. And she looked back at me with the big, sad eyes. I'm like, oh, no, you know what's happening. And it was too late. I couldn't go back there, you know. And I was just like, oh, what did I do? <laughs> but she had to go on her own. Hmm. You know, there, there was no re there was no reason for it, but we had a Rottweiler and Rottweiler bites somebody. There's not much that they're going to let you do. So we um, that my, my son's uh, cat that happened um, probably within the last year as well. And uh, he did not want to go. You know, he didn't want to be. And I, I went with him, but I may I you know, I it's not like I hauled him in there, but I told him, I said, this is what you have to do. This is part of it. And. He really thanked me afterwards for, um, you know, kind of prodding him in there because yep. it, it helped. He realized, yeah, that's the last thing you can do for them. Hey. I mean, nobody wants to die alone. Why should you put your pet down alone? Right. This and is 20 yeah. years ago. I had a, I didn't, I didn't think anything of it. And it wasn't until it was too late that I realized I should have been in there with her. And do I regret that to this day? Absolutely. Will I, would I ever do that again? Heck no. I would never let, I won't let my loved ones die alone and my pets are my loved ones. So it's not going to happen again. That, yeah. Goofy says uh, he may not have gotten it then, but he would have regretted it for a long time afterwards. And it's true. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And Sean says the last dog that they had to put down um, mm -hmm. had her 15 years before my, yeah, I was, I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I wonder, this is, let, let, let's change the, not the topic, <laughs> but let's go on to something a little more, uh, 
different. <laughs> How about NDEs? What do you, what's your opinion on near-death experiences, Letty? I, it's honestly, it's something I've only recently started to dig into. And it always amazes me to see the consistency across the stories. Um, I actually had a family friend and she, she died for several minutes before the paramedics brought her back. And <laughs> the first thing my mother asked her was, did you see the white light? <laughs> She's like, no, we didn't see a light. She said, I was, she said, I was standing up. And the next thing I know, I'm waking up in the hospital. <laughs> um, there, there's something there. I, I, I don't know what it is. And this is where I get into my, my spiritual side of things. And it's, you know, it's, I think, I think it take it's where people really start to come to terms with the fact that they are mortal and they could die at any point in time, but it's not their time. Hmm. And a lot of people may disagree with me, but whatever, that's my decision. <laughs> that's the way that I feel about it. Um, I, I've never experienced one, so I can't say anything else about it other than, like I said, if this is, it's my next rabbit hole to go into when it comes to death, because it's very interesting. And like I said, there's just, there's just too much consistency across it that I've seen from different eras, different countries, like different parts of the world. Yet there's still the similarities. So it's interesting. And I, I can't wait to do, do some more digging into that that topic. Let's, let's, uh, let's pick this one here. I like this one because this is, uh, so Chris says, do you think anyone's plan for end of life includes fading away in some long-term facility? Are we keeping, keeping them alive because we don't know what else to do with them? Or are we being selfish? And that kind of, that kind of goes into what you're talking about, about your parents not wanting to put their dog down again. And that's more of a, uh, and also, here, here's the other thing. This is a fairly modern problem that we didn't have even, even 50, 60 yeah. years ago wasn't that that common. I mean, mm -hmm. most people, we didn't have the ability to extend life like we do now, right? No. So what do you, what do you think about that? I don't think anybody expects that. Um, oh, my God. And I can't think of her name, but there was Terry Shivo. Yep. Uh, yep. I think we talked about that last time, too. Um, I don't think anybody wants to be stuck in a long-term facility. And I've, t and my husband and I, we've talked that that's not an option for either one of us. We don't want to die away from home. We want to be with our family. And with modern medicine, this is another thing that gets me angry is people, loved ones, they hold on to that hope that medicine will fix it, that medicine is going to bring them back. But when you have somebody who is brain dead and the only thing that is making them breathe is a respirator and they mm. are connected to everything, there's nothing. You're, you're, the body, the physical body is there, but that person is never coming back. And you can believe in miracles. You can pray to Jesus, God, the Holy Ghost, all the saints, whoever it is that you believe in, that person is not coming back 99.9999% of the time. There is the occasional exception, but for the most part, nothing, nothing's going to change it. And 
Yes, you are being selfish if you say I'm going to we're going to keep on we're going to keep on going with with this treatment. They're they're going to stay there. My my loved one's going to come back or whatever. Think of the thousands of dollars too that you are spending for this care that is not going to do anything for your loved one. It's it's also I'm not ready to say goodbye. Mhm. It's I, w- I want this person to be back where they remember them. You, they're never going to be back there. And you are always going to have that mental image of your husband, your parent, your child, your sibling in the in the room with all those monitors and all that all that equipment on them. Is that really the memory that you want? Is that the last that you want to see of your your best friend? I, I know for me, it's not. And I think that's where we come back to the importance of um, planning and discussing ahead of time so that people know, hey, I don't want to be there. Yeah. See, I see Sean waking up on event sucks. We've had the conversation about his story and not something that I want. Not at all. I had a a really good, um, he was an operator in the oil patch and he was like 51 and he had a massive stroke and he was in a wheelchair and a hockey helmet and the rest for the the last Mm -hmm. of his life. And, We've had that discussion before. I, I always joke that if something like that happened, just push me off the wharf, you know? But I mean, you know, it is what it is. But at least we've had that conversation, right? Because yeah. again, you, you said what 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 does a good day look like? What 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 yeah. are you willing to accept and not accept? And those are those are good questions. And and honestly, like right now, my good day is gonna look different than what my good day did 10 years ago versus 15, <laughs> 20 years down the road. But it's still some it's something that okay, just because I have these decisions now doesn't mean that, oh, Letty wrote her decisions down when she was 38 years old and now she's 75 and, oh, those decisions still stand. But no, my life is completely different. So it, it's also something that we're, we're going to be, we're going to do it annually, actually. It's just revisit everything. Okay, is, is this still your good day? Is is this what you want to do? We're, we're, I'm still buying the round of drinks on your behalf, at on your memory at the local bar, you know, that type of thing. Um, just, just to make sure that everyone's still on the same page, because you don't, you don't want to make the wrong decision. It's uh, something we don't. Again, we don't talk about as often. I kind of, I like when you come on because we get to talk and people ask questions about it. But you know, whether it's uh, going through your first aid kit annually mm-hmm. or going through your backup documents annually, this would be something else to add to that. And if you're a Dave Ramsey fan, he's also talked about when you come up with all of your estate planning documents to do regular will and estate document readings with your family, especially if you make changes, but also to make sure that, oh, well, this son is not got, this son is, I I need to write him out of the will. I got to make sure that this gets updated. Make a note to go see the attorney about it. That's true. Absolutely. um, One step closer said, uh, round of bourbon and Willie Nelson's uncloudy day for me. That sounds good. I'm pretty good with highway to hell. For mine, hundred percent. That's my song. <laughs> I um, actually found that played on the organ. <laughs> that would be pretty damn cool. And, and I and I said, you know what? This is gonna. And my husband and I were like, we are. We will pay for the organist to play Highway to Hell at our funeral <laughs> because why not? Not that we're going to hell, but it's, no, whatever. It doesn't matter, you know. Honestly, it's 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 us, and it will bring a smile and a laugh to the people that are there because I'm not. I'm going to make sure that my kids know. Do not include that on the on the document on the little pamphlet <laughs> that we're going to give everybody at the funeral. 
reminds me of the Simpsons when Bart switched out the uh, um, the hymn the hymn music for the organist to um, in the Garden of Eden. Oh my goodness, yeah. so funny! And uh, yeah, Goofy Roof, you are right. You need bagpipes for ACDC, one hundred percent. I've I've heard that on yeah I've heard that one too on bagpipes. Oh, that's gonna be a toss up now because the organ is really cool, but. Um, oh, it would have to be bagpipes. I mean, they I, even I, have a song with bagpipes in it, right? So I'd have to go bagpipes because why not? Oh yeah. So what um, what haven't we touched on yet? Because I know we've kind of jumped all around your questions, but was there anything? Oh, actually, hold on here. This is right here. One step says yes. have a legacy document with all the logins and passwords for all the bills you pay. That's actually talk a little we're, bit we're in the practical. process of updating our password book. We have a family password book. <laughs> and that that's actually slowly getting reviewed and updated because yeah, you need to do that. And I know my mother, she says, I have all of my all of my passwords are on this document on my computer. And I saved it like this. So if somebody were to steal my computer, they wouldn't think that it was actually all of my important information. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> I said, do you have a hard copy somewhere? Well, no, it's on my computer. I'm like, just print it out and put it, print it out and stick it in the Bible, okay? Just so that way I know where to look. One step closer says, make sure someone deletes your browsing history. Oh, when I was in college, that was a big thing was a lot of the fraternity guys and the sorority girls were like, something happens to me, Letty. I need you to go and delete my entire browser history. And I was working in the IT department. I said, I'll just take your computer and defrag it. No one will, like, we'll... We'll do what we can to clear it out. Don't worry. The NSA probably has a copy of it anyway. It, you know, everybody so. knows it's it's out there. So at this point, I'm just like, if somebody cares that much that they want to see what I was looking at, then by all means, go for it. If it changes your opinion of me, well, then he didn't actually know me to begin with. It's like organic burial. What is that? Yeah. No. <laughs> That's really cool, though. I think we might have talked about that. That's where they turn you into a tree, right? Yep. Yeah. And then there's actually, it's it's a new thing. Um, there's a new one in Illinois that just opened two years ago, I think it was. Um, it's out near Galena, which is my favorite place in the state. And it's a conservation burial ground. So it's run by the Conservation Foundation. Okay. And it is complete natural burial. So if I were to die tonight, I get declared dead. They wrap me in the sheet. They have to bury, they bury me tomorrow because... Illinois, you have to be buried the next day if you're going like completely natural with no. Because they think that that's worse than getting injected with all the formaldehyde and everything, but whole other story. Um, but there's so they can do that. They'll spread your ashes, which if you're a Catholic, you cannot have your ashes spread. Actually, that was that's an interesting fact. Your ashes need to be buried with you, or else when Jesus comes again, your body will not be risen. I, I love I love you Catholics to death. I do, but my God, some of the superstitions. Oh, thank oh, goodness for, for the apocryphal books. If they weren't for those, we wouldn't have anything. So yeah, but but so they'll 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 spread your ashes if you want to spread the ashes. They will. You can get your ashes buried there. Or you can have your your body buried, and that's where we've decided that we're going to get buried because we want the the natural, and we'll most likely get cremated because unless I'm living nearby, I won't be able to be buried within 24 hours. So, and I watched Six Feet Under when it first came out. I think I watched the first two seasons. I watched a little. I, I don't, yeah, it, it was funny. It was a little, I think it came out in the late 90s, didn't it? 
Mine was the early 2000s. I can't remember. Did it come out before it the Sopranos? And I didn't have cable, so I had to watch it at friends' houses because we didn't get cable until after I went to college. So I had what Napster and them. I used to download the HBO shows because <laughs> we were almost impossible to get in Canada anyway. I think the statute of limitations have expired on that, so we should be good, you know. But <laughs> uh, oh, hi, Angie Marie. Some a new name in here. I haven't seen uh, if I've missed you before, and I like the. Uh, your profile's got an Andy Warhol look to it there. I like that. So it says, oh, I'll be looking into natural burial, but hope I'm out of Illinois by then. Yeah, I mean, I'm not in Illinois, but we have a family house out near Galena, and it's so beautiful. And actually, where this burial ground is, it's overlooking the Mississippi River, so it's just it's just gorgeous. Oh, yeah, Haas. Yeah, the cremation thing. Oh, I remember when my grandpa died in 1990. It was, oh, we he caused a big fight because he wanted to be cremated. And I had my grandmother's sister and her family did not, they boycotted the funeral because he was cremated. Oh, dear. And I remember my parents were like, oh, well, grandpa's being cremated, so we won't have the body there. We'll have the funeral once we get his ashes back. And I was like, grandpa's going to hell? He's burning in hell? You see that? Oh. And they, then they explained, I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, now they've changed it now. You, you can cremate. So does that mean anybody who was cremated before 1990 went to hell and now they don't? I'm sorry. That's just me. Oh. I, don't, I can't remember when they changed that whole regulation. Um, I'm, I'm, doing yeah. the, I'm doing the catechism in a year with Father Mike Schmidt. So I'm sure at some point we'll touch on that. So I'll check it out. I'll get Have to, you heard of these? Well, Eternal Reefs? There, there, so if you're interested in green burial, there are so many different options out there. And... Uh, was it Massachusetts? It's one of the northeastern states. I, I feel like it might be Massachusetts. I could be wrong, but they've just legalized human composting for when you die. So you can become human compost. I think California already had that, but there's the, the tree pods where you're bundled up and put you in the ground under a tree. There, there's so many different ways out there, but honestly, the, the most natural barrel that you can do, wrap yourself in a linen shroud. Well, you're not going to wrap yourself. Wrap the body in a linen shroud and just throw them in the ground cup and you don't even have to go six feet under but just throw them in the ground and there you go it worked in in uh the going home series oh it's just <laughs> that's funny that just came to me i was just thinking that as well because remember we maybe we'll talk about because of course things you know new people all the time but there was and we we talked a lot about um, you know, coming to terms with things and how we're, we're so removed from the burial process and all of that. What, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that if we were a little more involved with possibly digging, well, especially in a collapse oh, yeah. situation, but do you think we, that would, should, I think we should be out there digging the grave or if we're not digging the graves, you need to stay and fill that grave in. Um, mm. Because even nowadays at most very rarely does the family actually stay to put the, throw the dirt onto the grave or anything like that. Um, when my, we buried my uncle's ashes two years ago and one of my uncles stayed just, well, just to watch over while they, they put the dirt in. So he, he was there and, you know, ashes. So it's just a tiny little box, not a lot of dirt, but we're, we're, we're not involved in, we're not digging. We're not, we're not cleansing the body. We're not dressing it. We're not wrapping it. It's it's so far removed from anything because it doesn't happen at home. <laughs> you know, if it were to happen at home, then great at most states, oh, you got to call the coroner and they got to come take the body and blah, 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 blah. 
look into the legalities in your states, though. Don't just say you're going to be buried at home and in the back, die at home and be buried in the backyard. Like, I'm not advocating for you to do anything illegal in your states or countries, guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, we need to be involved. Absolutely. So guys, if you have any more questions, throw them out there and I'll get uh, Letty. If, if you one or two more tips, maybe anything, what are the things that are the most important that you think of either, let's take, let's take the avenue of, of teaching kids. What are a couple of things that if, you know, anybody out there who's like, ah, my kids, I don't, I don't know if I should let them know, or what are some tips that they, that you could share with them? Um, don't, don't keep it a secret. Don't let them know that, oh, grandma went to sleep and she's never, you could say, you could like depend on the age too. You sure. want to make sure it's age appropriate. I'm probably a bit inappropriate with my kids with the way that we talk about that's how it was talked about to me. So it's the same way that I'm teaching my kids. And I think I turned out okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but honestly, expose them to it at an early age. If a grandparent, a family friend, somebody dies, take them to the wake and the funeral. We went to a wake back in April. And I, I had a feeling when I was going to Illinois that somebody was going to die and I was going to need my funeral dress. So I threw my funeral dress in the bag and then I find out that, oh, so-and-so just died. I'm like, oh, I'm glad I like, oh, well, I have my funeral dress ready to go. So hooray, I'll, I'll make sure I throw something nice in for the boys. Um, and as we were going, I was explaining to the little man, I said, okay, Miss Sue passed away. And he goes, oh, is she up in heaven now? And I said, yeah, she's up in heaven. He goes, she doesn't hurt anymore, does she? Because he knew that Sue had, had a lot of medical problems. I said, no, she doesn't hurt anymore. So this is what we're going to see. We're going to walk in. You'll see Mr. Al, and then you're going to see her body, and it'll be in the casket. It's going to look like she's sleeping. And and I kind of laid down. I said, she's going to look like this. <laughs> um, I said, I said, and what you're going to do is you'll just walk in. You can say, Mr. Al, I'm sorry about Miss Sue. You can give him a hug if you want. And then we're going to go and we're going to kneel in front of the coffin and we're going to say a prayer. And that little man, he walked in, he was holding my dad's hand. We walked in and then he like, oh, let, go, let go of the hand. Walked <laughs> my dad up to our friend, Mr. Al, I'm so sorry about Miss Sue, but she's up in heaven now and doesn't hurt. And I saw my, I saw Al's like, oh, like he was about to cry. And then he, he like gave him a hug and my dad said a few words and, Liam said, Papa, we need to go say a prayer now for Miss Sue. And he, he led my dad over and knelt down and sign of the cross and everything. And I was just like, look at that. It was, it was so beautiful to see. And my parents were like, we, we can't believe that he did that. And I said, well, I said, I'm not going to tell him not to do anything. I said, he's going to grow up and we're going to have more wakes and funerals to go to. So I need him to learn now at five what he needs to do. So if, the, if they've never been to one, explain to them what, like really talk it out. And again, age appropriate. So they're not like freaking out when they get there and they see the body and the, it took me a long time to get used to seeing these waxy looking bodies. Mm -hmm. because they don't look natural. No. Very, very few funeral homes can actually pull off the, this person looks like they're sleepy. Look, it's just, it's wrong. It, I, yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Every time it's the, the lack, anyway, the lack of muscles in a person's yeah. face. That, that is what gets me every if, time. If they, if they don't, if they don't sew up the jaws properly, that, mm, 
yeah, yeah, I, I, just, I yeah really it's, bad job. even as an adult, you know, but yeah. So that's number one. And in number two, just it, it's life. You know, if you're driving along the road and you see a dead deer on the side of the road, like, Oh, look, there's a dead deer. Hmm. Well, mama, what happened to that deer? Well, it was probably hit by a car. <laughs> like in some States, if you're the one that hit it or you saw it get hit, you can pick up that deer and harvest it and take it home and eat it. But, <laughs> but I mean, if, if you're living life and you have animals, they're going to see it. Don't, don't be like my parents did when we had to put broken down back in 01 and tell your son that, oh, she went to a farm in Michigan. Oh. Big grandma. And I, I remember I looked at my mother and I said, my brother is, let's see, this is 03. I said, he's six years old. I said, he's the same age that I was when our first dog died. And you told me <laughs> with that dog, we came home from CCD. We said, where's Emma? And they go, oh, we put Emma to sleep. And my brother and I, we didn't understand the term. So we're like, well, what, do, what do you mean you put her to sleep? Where is she? Where is she sleeping? And then they're like, oh, no, she, we put her down. She had cancer and we put her down because she was going to die. So we, we didn't want her to suffer. That's how you explain it. But you don't just surprise them and say, hey, we put the dog down because my brother learned many years later that the dog was actually not in Michigan, but that she had been put down. Aww. And I was like, seriously, like you're not doing him any favors by hiding it. Um, if there, and there are so many books out there that talk about death and dying that it's not, it's it's not going to be that difficult to explain. If you're looking for a good book, my favorite one on kids is "I'll Always Love You." It's about this little kid and his fat little dog that dies, <laughs> and he grows up with the dog, and the dog slowly gets fatter and slower. And Oh, it breaks my heart to read it still, but it's always been my favorite one. Put that in the notes. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a really good one. I highly recommend it if you guys have never read that one. When I when I had Little Man, that was one of the first books I actually bought when I found out I was pregnant. Because I'm like, we're going to need this one day. <laughs> well, thank you, Letty. This has been yeah. good. I really appreciate this. It's a, it's a tough topic, and you always come on and talk about it with smiles, you know? You're, you know, it, uh, and you're not a superstitions or anything. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? We'll save it for another time yep. because we, it's fun. I, I mean, it is, it's, it's a topic. I, I remember the first time we talked about this before you even came on and we're like, it needs to be talked about, mm -hmm. you know, and there's certain topics that I, and I'll be honest, I don't love talking about this. I don't, but each time we do it, it gets a little easier. That, that's all that you can do is, the more you talk, the more, I, just like you told me when I had to do my first presentation, I was like, oh my God, I think of this presentation. Like, just, just practice it. The more I talk about it, the more you do it, the easier it's going to get. It's the same thing with this. It, you know, how do you learn to ride a bike? You, you fall off, you keep getting back on. If it, if it gets awkward, just come right back. Just try it again. You never know. You're going to find, <laughs> you're going to find some aspect about death that you find interesting and intriguing, and you're going to dig into that. And that's, what's really going to help you be more comfortable talking about it actually. So that's good. I like that. So how can people follow up with you, Lady Lou? You can follow up with me right now. The best way is to go to backwoodsconsulting.com. Um, or you can email me Letty, L-E-T-T-I-E at backwoodsconsulting.com. Those are the two best ways. But honestly, if you're watching this, you're most likely in LFTN, TSP, the workshop or any of those groups. 
and you know you can find me as Letty Lou over on Telegram. <laughs> it's the easiest way to get yeah. Goofy yeah. Rufy says death, the ultimate prep. So that's it's true. It, yeah. it really is. It's all you can do. It's the last prep too, right? So yeah. Well, thank you, lady. If you want to hang in the back for just a second, I'll close up and I'll be right back with you. All right. Sounds good. Well, guys, I really hope you enjoyed that. I mean, that's a tough topic that um, Letty handles with grace and with smiles. And she's very informed. I, I don't know. Uh, maybe someday she'll have to write a book on this topic because it's uh, it's just an enjoyable. This was as enjoyable as a topic like this can be. And anytime I can learn something, I appreciate it. But more so just embracing her openness about talking about this because it is, it is a tough thing that nobody wants to talk about, but what, you know, what do they say? Nobody's getting out of this alive and we're not, and it sucks that we have to deal with it, but you can either put your head in the sand and not deal with it, or you can deal with it. And like Letty said, the younger and the earlier we talk about it with our kids, the better off. So guys, if you can support Letty in any way, reach out to her. And uh, I guarantee she'll answer questions for you too. So guys, with that, as always, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week.